This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, we are inside the power hour here inside the locker room. Hour number two on a football Friday or Friday, however you want to call it. I like Friday because that means the weekend is quickly approaching for us. And that means Steeler games on Sundays. Um, So and this will be the third game, of course, in a row being at home. So we have been we have been spoiled by home game appearances by the team and looking to take the decisive advantage in that this Sunday. We're now one and one at at home over those last two games. Looking to move to two and one, Wolf. And, you know, we, we've kind of talked about some of the different things. We've talked about just, you know, how good Green Bay is in the second half and how bad they are at covering receivers in the league as far as you know, plays of 20-plus yards. Right. Well, I think another thing to look at is we kind of hit a little bit with this with um, with Missy, but injuries to the defense that could make that a little bit harder for the Green Bay Packers. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. You know, you look at these guys, first of all, they're not – you know, they, they blitz a good 40% of the time. But, you know, they've got 20 sacks, so it's not like they're not capable of getting after the quarterback – but certainly, um, you know, with, with some of the injuries and the inability to cover on the back end, it makes it more important on the front end to be able to get something done. And, you know, you take a look at Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark is, uh, you know, right up there amongst their sack leaders. He played – he didn't come back in the game last week after getting a shoulder injury. I wonder, you know, what his status will be. Yeah, no, he he's definitely – nursing the injury and it's going to be something to continually watch because you know as we get closer to the game you know I um I know I talked about the absence of Rudy Ford a week ago and him kind of being out and Quay Walker kind of being out um both of those guys have tracked um and have practiced but of course you know obviously it doesn't matter until we get to um until we get to that point of the year where we're like okay or point of the week where we're like okay they are going to go. They are going to make it. And so it's going to be interesting to continue to watch that. But like you said, Kenny Clark went out the game um, early exit, and then Carl Brooks kind of took more of a significant role. Another rookie. Um, right. <laughs> rookies are the backups on this team and the NFL's youngest team in the league um, as it stands. Average age 25 and some change um, on that roster. But um, but there's also the, the offense is actually banged up too. I mean, their entire offensive line. I know they're saying oh, man. that they're yeah. probably going to play, but those guys have been banged up. I mean, you know, Yash Nyman, who fill, who is it? Yash or Yosh? Yash. <laughs> Yash. Okay. It is Yash. Right. Yeah. No, Yosh would be closer to Yoshi of uh, Super Mario. Oh, oh, okay. Um, okay. But uh, Yash Nyman um, has a back issue. John Runyon has an issue. Uh, Josh Myers has like like it's just a laundry list of guys, and they, they're hoping they're get they return to practice on Thursday, even though they were limited to be ready for game time. Well, that's not a good sign when you know they've also been talking about. Well, the guys we need to ID uh, Alex Highsmith, T.J. Watt, and you've got linemen that's complete. It's got a backyotomy. 
Um, the other one's got a knee. Yeah. I'm like, that's not good news. And, and you've got, you know, potentially Cam Hayward going up against the interior of that group. Um, it's going to be a challenge for this team. But, you know, once again, as Mike Tomlin likes to say, listen, Hey, nobody, no, 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 nobody wants to hear us when we got our problems, and people are happy that we have them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. So there's going to be no love lost, but I think that is very interesting. How many guys the Packers have, and you know, on the injury report <laughs> that came out, and I was just like, wow. So I mean, Friday is obviously the all indicative type of day, right. but that does present an issue when you're thinking about the challenges you have to go on the road and how important Friday is for for a traveling team. Absolutely. Well, again, you know, looking at Kenny Clark, to me, he was the most impressive performer on that front end. You know, I just think Kenny Clark was one of those guys that um, could hunker down dog, take on the run. He also could pass rush. He's one of those guys that can split the double teams. But then, you know, the other guy is Rashawn Gary. On that front end, Max, he can bring some heat. Oh, Rashawn Gary. And freshly minted contract, Rashawn Gary. (laughs) Um, they liked it so much that they wanted to make sure they gave him gave him uh, some money for his for his services. Um, but, but one of the things, my dog. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a new one in the locker room. We had Oakley make his Oakley's debut. Oakley's been waiting to talk about these Packers for an hour and, and eight yeah. minutes here, and said that's enough. He's not a Rashawn Gary fan. Um, <laughs> as we can tell. I don't blame you, bud. On I the don't... sideline. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, I don't like Rashawn Gary. <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, the other funny thing is Rashawn Gary, you know, even though he is a he, – he drew a he, – he actually had a couple of penalties in the game that, that potentially could have hurt the uh, the Rams. Um, had, had a late hit on the quarterback. Mm. Uh, he, had, he had offsides. And, you know, he kind of he he started shooting himself in the foot a little bit with uh, back-to-back penalties that really kept drives alive for the Rams, even though they ultimately couldn't do anything with it. But he's a guy that I think you can kind of attempt, and that was at home. Think about being in a away stadium and think right. about Steeler Nation, you know, the way that we get loud in our stadium, especially, on, on you know, um, on a lot of those things. Um, I know they say, oh, it's easier for the defense, but the defense gets mighty jumpy on hard counts. And if you got some stuff where it's quick play, Actually, I think that's something you could take advantage of, and I'm sure he'll be an emphasis for the referees just because he has a propensity to usually get a couple of penalties called on him per game. And you know, it's interesting because I was really because um, I was going to write about him from my meteor, meat eater matchup because he'll flip flop both ways. Uh, he's bigger than I thought. You know, I didn't realize he was six five and two eighty. You know, he doesn't. He, yeah, he looks he's leaner. A four down than, DN. Yeah, yeah he's I mean, a four down DN. But he he stands up like a linebacker. He he uh-huh. kind of looks like one when you look at him. Uh, you know he's he's not overly bulky or anything like that, but he has a nice uh, nice uppercut that he throws. He's got a nice swim move to the inside. Both tackles they're going to have to be minding their p's and q's, making sure they don't turn to the sidelines too quickly because this guy can take that that arc and run it tight and be able to get a saturation. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's going to be a good challenge, I think. You know, between him and Preston Smith are the two edge guys in their 3-4 construct. So, it's going to be some premium matchups. I, I can't wait to see him on him on Broderick Jones. I think once jo- Broderick Jones puts the jumper cables on him a couple times, yeah. that can slow things down for him. 
Um, and then, of course, Preston, Preston Smith. Preston is silky smooth on the outside, so it's going to be a good challenge for Dan and Broderick as they kind of flip-flop size. They kind of play strong, weak type of stuff. So it's going to be really, uh, really good to watch that. And I think that I think that's a pretty good course of action for your beef eater matchup, because I think uh, you know in the trenches we'll kind of probably have to highlight some of, some of their play skills, because I think that will come into play as you start scheming for how the game's going to go, especially early on to see what they're capable of. You know, what did you think of Quay Walker and Devondre K- uh, Campbell? They both seem to be legitimate inside NFL quality linebackers. Yeah. So 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 Quay was out. Um, last week, um, and I think Quay of the two is is like is is the main guy, and so you know when Quay's not in there, the communication is a little bit different um, than than what it than what I'm sure what we anticipated it to be um, with Devondre. But I thought Devondre does a really good job. He's a he's a oh, good he cover guy out yep. in space, and I really like the way that he kind of he kind of moves and he can mirror he can run with most tight ends. Um, when he when he's pressed into service to do it, I think they just utilize some different schemes. They want to see Devondre more inside, kind of kind of good, taking on the line of attack for everything. Right. Um, but but I, I but I think both of those guys are very good linebackers. I think when you think about where the weakness is, uh, not having not having Kenny Clark on that D line is going to bring a different picture because I thought that was a strength of their team with him, Devonte Wyatt and company. Um, being there, another Georgia Bulldog, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I thought actually was more talented than Jordan Davis, but Jordan Davis was just a humongous human being. Yeah. Um, and Devonte, I think, had some had some marks on his character, some minor things that kind of kind of notched him down a little bit. But um, but yeah, I mean, that group kind of takes a little bit of a hit. But I think linebacking crew getting Quay and Devondre together is going to be a, is going to be the challenge. Because I think communication's clean and they're really good at covering, so you have to put a guy on those guys, especially when you're talking about the run game. So a lot of that counter and trap game is going to be important to make sure you actually hit those guys. Because if you whiff on those guys, they'll make you pay. Yes. Um, and then of course, still the weakness is going to be the secondary going to this game. It's going to be a challenge for them. Um, you know, covering all of our receivers and all of our pass catchers that are capable. And, you know, with such youth on that backside, even though you're getting Rudy Ford back, it's going to be a challenge. But linebacker, I feel like, is a strength for that defense. No question about it. Look, I'm I'm excited about this matchup. I think we can run the ball very well on these guys. I think the possibilities exist when you start taking, in fact, the traps and the the lead actions that we – They've run, you know, that uh, Matt Cannon's been running where you pull the guard around, like on the Somalu, uh, the Najee Harris touchdown run when it was all about follow the hair. Uh, last week when, you know, he, he went 10 yards from the 10-yard 10 10 yard line into the end zone. That that type of play, uh, a power play like that, I think is going to be really important because if Kenny Clark can't play and you, you have those issues up front, now, again, Dev- like you said, Devontae is pretty good. T.J. Slayton is, is you know, NFL quality, nose tackle. Um, those linebackers, though, you can get after them because I don't think they come as downhill as fast as, as uh, say, in a Landon Smith. A Landon I'm, Roberts? I mean, yes. When I'm, I was looking okay, at – just checking. Just I'm checking. looking at – yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't want to look – I was looking at somebody who Pre- last name Preston Smith. Smith. Yes. Preston Thank Smith, a Landon Roberts. I just had a yeah. concussion moment, Okay. It's all good. It's all good. When you shake your head really fast while reading stuff, it tends to mess up and blur the words. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but no, all right, yeah, they are a more cover and react type of team as opposed to a read 
read and and and, uh, and blow up type of type of squad at the linebacking core there. So yeah, there there is a stark difference in performances between the two linebacking cores, the way that they approach things. Um, and I think that's probably why you get the stat numbers that you do. But that's why it's also imperative that we that we establish the run and that you put bodies on bodies. Yeah. Because, like you said, they're not guys to blow through the hole. They're not San Francisco, right? With Fred Warner, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they're they're not they're not like um, the Cleveland Browns as well um, with Taki Taki and those guys. So it, it's a different approach, and I think something that bodes well when you're trying to establish the run for the Steelers. It's kind of like t- the Titans. Like, like Aziz Al-Shair is not a downhill banger. Right. He's more of a guy that's going to catch you on an angle. He wants to run with you. Yep. Um, so I think this really suits well as far as what our strengths are and what we want to do versus what they do. I think it meshes well to where you're not kind of playing out of your character. You don't have to get off the block sooner as an offensive line. Like you can kind of hold a tick longer to make sure that your buddy gets the, gets the block hooked and then move up to the second level in some of the zone and some of the man concepts with double teams. So I really like that aspect of it. Glad you brought that up. Let me bring up something else that I wish had worked last week, which didn't, and I didn't seem, I can't remember them going back to it, but the screen, you know, in the first series. And, I, you know, you and I have been talking about the screen for a long time. You love that, the opportunity to get a kick out man, to get an alley guy, to find a peel man. You know, I mean, all those elements come together. They ran the screen, and I think uh, Broderick gave up a little bit too much pressure too early, and Kenny didn't work to find a window to be able to doink it over the top to uh, Najee Harris. And that would have been really interesting to me because one of the things I, I, one of the elements we're missing, Max, you got to love the screen. You and I both love screens and I, screens are, are such a, they're, they're such a, a hit or miss thing, you know, where it, it can be extremely effective or it can be extremely non-effective as it was on that first drive. Yeah, no, th- this is, this is one of those that, you know, the screen is such an, is such a vital part when you're thinking about an offense and being able to keep teams honest. Because <clears throat> when teams start to pin their ears back, that's when the screen's at its best, right? Right. And you don't you don't throw the screen against guys who are just covering lateral portions, right? Guys that are kind of rushing and peaking, so to speak. You want it when the guys are like, Oh man, I think I think we got I think we got lanes we can rush up the field on this team. And then you utilize the screen you know, as we've had done against us, right? But right. most famously, the Houston game, yeah. right? We kept getting killed with the screen mm. because when you have aggressive outside linebackers like TJ and like Alex, that's something that, you know, has to be dealt with. And that's how you tamp down that pass rush. And, you know, the one thing I do love that we have back for teams that want to want to get into the, in, into that into that type of mode, you, ha- you, ha- you have the bloodhound, Cam Hayward. Yes. Cam Hayward sniffs out screens better, better than a dog <laughs> on a bard hunt. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he, 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 he is, he is the, he is, he is the, he is the rat catcher. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anytime he sees that, 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 that running back bow up into the middle of the line and try and throw the Olay block, mm-hmm. it, it's never an Olay. It's an Oye block for, yeah. for Cam. Cam, because Cam's going to put his helmet on the guy or Larry Ogunjobi's going to sniff that out. And they don't allow for those things to happen when healthy. So, you know, having those guys, I think, there allows Alex and TJ to still be free in their assignments and, and get pressure, get in the quarterback's face by any means necessary. When you have an adept D-line that can handle that, um, it makes for a tougher day. But for us as an offense, 
you want to always continue to press and try and get that because you know it's an advantage. When you get two linemen out in space, lead blocking for the running back who's catching a little screen pass, man, it's like sending a moving wall there. And when executed properly is a difference maker. I remember when we used to run the tight end delay screen with Heath. Right. And Correct. I used to, t- I mean, they, I used to take joy on that. I was like, man, <laughs> screens yes. are great, man. You know, they I mean, are. When they you are. Get, you get a, a a lighter guy lined up. You know, you get one of those corners, and you just come screaming at him. I mean, yeah. There's great family fun if you get, make contact. Oh, it is. It is. It is. The medical bill's not nice because I remember <laughs> I hit one guy and I kind of hurt him pretty badly. Oh, um, yeah. It was not. It was not intentionally, but you know. When you, put, when you put when you put three hundred plus pounds on less than two hundred pounds, the bad things happen to the guys less than two hundred pounds. <laughs> oh um, well, yeah. But I, I remember famously one of my favorite uh, screens was when we act, we actually had a moment where it was a tight end delay and it was right on the scene perfectly, and I saw, you know the guy kind of go down. So I hit the three technique and then I got up on the scene. It was almost like getting on train tracks up the hash mm-hmm. because this was a kind of a tight end delay up the middle. And I just remember, you know, it was in Detroit and this is when Larry foot went to Detroit for that one year and then came back. Oh yeah. Uh, and footy footy caught. He saw me moving up the field of the side of his eyes and I'm looking at him. He's looking at me and I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do here, Foot? You're going to dance? Like, it's like, it like college all over again. I mean, we're in Detroit, too. And, and he was at Michigan. I was at Florida, and we were in the Outback Bowl. And I just remember going for the seal. And I, I had a KO block on Footy. Yeah. I did not deliver the KO block, but I came and kind of gave him a belly-to-belly style, style slam and wall. And, and he was like, thank you. I was like, like for what? He's like, I know what you could have done. I was like, yep, yep. As long as you know. As long as you know. Because your corner, when we ran it early in the game, he didn't know and he didn't like it. And he thought he was going to be Superman. And now he's out the game. <laughs> well, he supermaned himself out. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he did. Absolutely. No doubt about it. All right. Yeah. Let's take a break, Max, because yeah. uh, we got. I, I, What's well, that? Here, oh, wait a minute. I'm I, sorry. I got mixed up again. That guy. It, that, it is that guy. not. I know. I'm losing my mind here. I, I don't know where that came from. You talk about an aberration. No, it, it, it's it's all good. It's all good. I mean, um, I but I would be remiss. Hold on. I have to, have to find it. Here we go. Here it is. I found it. I found it. I found it. All right. Before we go, Wolf. Okay, yes. I want to invite Steelers Nation to check out Yen's Chat Regular Season Challenge. Each week, answer Steelers trivia and make game day picks for a chance to win signed helmets, jerseys, footballs, or even a trip to the 2024 NFL Draft. Log into the Steelers mobile app now and play for a chance at this week's prize, which is a signed Deontay Johnson jersey. That's right. Just all you have to do is answer the Yen's Chat mobile question of the day, gain points, tell friends, make it a fun competition. And today's question is, Weegee Thompson or Heinz Ward? Most receiving touchdowns in a Steelers game versus Green Bay. Wolf, don't tell us your answer. But I'm not saying nothing. 
Go on to the Steelers mobile app and answer that question for a chance to win a Deontay Johnson signed autograph. All right, now I've paid some bills. We're going to pay the rest of those bills. We're going to step aside, and it's going to be Wolf Segments next here inside the locker room on ESPN and SNR Radio. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, is this my segment? Am I supposed to do this? Yeah, th- th- this, this is on you. This, oh, is, this is yours. Oh, okay. Okay. I was just wondering. I thought maybe, you know, I was all messed up again, but I just wanted to make sure this was my segment, so I got to come out, come up with something. Okay. How about this, Max? Can we put the whole George Pickens problem to rest? Can we just, let's just get rid of it. You know what I mean? Here's what always frustrated me about things like this. When somebody would say something or act out, what happens? The rest of the guys in the locker room get a microphone in their face and they, they're asked to comment about it. And that's the thing that really honked me off. It wasn't really what the guy was doing. It was the fact that whatever you do, you know, it's going to be reflected back to other people that have to answer. And personally, you know, with George Pickens, I, I don't really care about whether he's frustrated or not. Every player gets frustrated. You know, but in this day and time when everybody's got to have a 24-7 uh, cycle, you know, news cycle thing, You've got to come yeah. up with stuff. And I, to me, it's just like, hey, listen, he got frustrated. He's a young man. You know, the the locker room culture should take care of that, no problem. All you need is Captain Cam to go up and have a few words, like Joe Green used to come up, have a few words with some young bucks, or it might have been Mike Webster or, or Terry Bradshaw, whoever. But, you know, that would settle the issue because I think – Locker room culture is the most important thing when you talk about discipline. Well, no, it, it, it has to be handled by the players. Yeah. Um, it can't be sanctioned by the coach. Yeah. And I think that, that when you think of the most effective locker rooms, it's kind of how it's always happened, especially the ones that I've been a part of. Mm-hmm. Like players handle players, right? Yeah. Coaches coach, and they handle their part of it. Um, and I think, you know, having the individuals step up who were asked and who have answered that call before even the media started asking them questions were the guys we expected. And those are the leaders on the team, you know, Najee right. and Deontay step up to the step up to the bill, have that conversation because I mean, listen, you know, everybody has those frustrations. Everybody's been through something. Nobody is unique to this. Mm. And I think when you can have that perspective from a teammate, a peer, it rings a lot truer than when it comes from a more authoritative figure, like a head coach position coach or even a coordinator in those respects so to have that player accountability built into your team and have guys who are who understand that role and relish that role and and stand in immediately without being pressed into service I think makes for a better group and makes for also maturity to grow and I think that's that's kind of one of the best ways that I saw it and that's why I think like Mike Tomlin says it's a pebble in the shoe by the time he saw it on Tuesday those conversations, those conversations have already been had well before he got to the the mic on Tuesday. Right. You know, and I think that's what the important thing is to know from this story is that, and I understand people are going to be discontent and, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know why. Well, we've had 10 days in between times where you've gotten a chance to see these individuals 
uh, on the field and see how they take those things and react to them and how they grow from them. So let's just pump the brakes. Let's wait till Sunday and then we then, then, then make a judgment. But doing it, you know, from Thursday to now Friday and waiting till Sunday, something has to be written and on social media. And I get right. it, this generation is more open and transparent because of social media. It becomes a stream of consciousness in the moment. But, you know, from a maturity standpoint, not necessarily, some people just need to have some time away from it. I think there should be like that 24-hour clause where it's like, I'm not going to go to social media immediately after a win or a loss, you know, because you're getting visceral, raw, unfiltered moments. And that's why also when the media comes in after a game, you take 15, there's 15-minute buffer time before the media comes in because, you know, we don't want those raw emotions. You know, remember the Aaron Andrews and Richard Sherman interview right right after the game on the field and (laughs) expletives were flying and everything else. Because, you know, there is a certain level where you have to allow that kind of release and that moment to kind of gather yourself. And I feel like with social media, you know, it's the gift and the curse because you do have free access to everybody, but also everybody has free access to you and everybody wants to make an opinion. Everybody wants to view and peek and look at these snapshots that you're giving them and creating those narratives as opposed to kind of understand the totality of those things. And sometimes when you take time off away from it, you can reflect. Some people reflect faster than others. So it's a slow go type of process. And that's why even for me, like in the raw emotion, you know, I think about how how I'm going to react to something. Um, And because once it's out there, it's out there in the universe forever. (laughs) No matter how much you try and run away from, you'll never run away from that. Um, So it's something that you have to be aware of and be more mature when it comes to utilizing those outlets. You know, Max, it's funny because I remember my dad when he was a young man. One of the ways he, he would earn, he earned money to buy my mom an engagement ring uh, by breaking horses on the side. He was living on a farm at the time, and he, you know, do that whatever the Bronco busting thing him do. But later on, when I you know years later talk about it, and go, he'd say it's not about breaking the spirit of the horse; it's about focusing the spirit of the horse. You know what I mean? And yeah. he said there's a huge difference between the two. And I look at that, and I think that's what it's really about with, with young George. I mean, he's a young man, and, and it's a it's about, you know, there's a lot of people that say, well, they should bench him, they should, you know, da-da-da. No, I, it's about focusing him because he's needed to move forward. There's nobody that, that can replace his particular set of attributes that he has on this team and do so at the same level that George can do. And the Steelers need him to be able to accept that role and whatever that role is. And that comes about with understanding and and focusing the spirit upon what you need him to accomplish. And I think that more than anything is the way to go. And what you want to make sure to do is, again, make sure that it's one of those things where you are, you know, for lack of a better term, focusing the spirit of George into what he, you know, the the team goals. When George gets his talent and team goals aligned up together, good things are really going to happen. No, it, it absolutely is. And I think that's where you have to kind of get the focus. And Mike Tomlin really talked about this saying, you know, I want guys who want the football. I want right. guys who want to to be a reason why instead of a reason why not. And so I think that kind of, 
that kind of just shows you just how important the competitive nature is within guys. And some guys just emote it differently than others. And I think it, it, it's an okay thing as long as it's healthy and it's done in a healthy way. And like you said, you have the interactions from different teammates, from different individuals to be able to help diffuse that. Because sometimes it becomes a frenzy in the mind. You know, you're so amped up, you're charged, there's testosterone, there's adrenaline, you know, that's mixed in there in the emotion. And it can blind you. You know what I'm saying? It, it can blind you in the moment where you only see red or you only see black, right? right? You know, you only see, you know, you have a whiteout in your mind where everything just goes blank. I mean, that happens. There's a reality to that. When you're so worked up, where you're so focused on a goal and you're straining to achieve that goal, you know, you can kind of get, you kind of get lost in the sauce, so to speak. And and it's okay because all of us have those moments as competitors. And like you said, but as long as, you know, you have the right outlets, you have the right resources to lean on to help you disseminate that information. I think that's when it becomes healthy. It becomes unhealthy when unchecked or unrealized in the process. But I think there is a realization. And like you said, we have leaders in the locker room who are attuned to that and also want to make sure that they went out and made that made their intentions known and also reach out and help a guy. Because sometimes, you know, not everybody's going to ask for help immediately. They're going to ask right. for it in different ways. And being able to identify that is also a sign of growth and of leadership within your team structure. Absolutely. Well said. You know, it's funny because in, in the context of a team and in a huddle and in big moments and high pressure, there are certain guys that you knew didn't want the ball in that moment. You know what I mean? In, in yeah. different levels of coming through high school, college, pros. Now, there's not too many of those guys in the pros, but even as you go up the the, the chain of, of uh, the, or the level of play from high school to college, you knew there were guys, I mean, in a very simplistic way, I go back to my senior year in high school playing basketball when uh, we had just seconds left and we got a jump ball down by our, our you know, where the basket we're shooting at. And I remember our center who was going to win the, the, the jump ball looked at me and not he's going to tap it to me. And I remember looking at him going, no, <laughs> no, don't give me the ball. I don't want the ball. It's the last shot. Uh, you know, th- this is not Michael Jordan here, <laughs> you know. The, it'd be closer exactly. to hit the ball ricocheting off my head than going to the basket than me actually scoring a basket. But, you know, that's a simplistic <coughs> what way. But what happened, Wolf? Well, what happened? what happened actually was it somehow worked out. But See, exactly. But See, I didn't exactly. want the ball. It's not like I was I calling for it. I didn't ball. want it. And that's the point I'm trying to make in this whole thing. But, yeah, you're right. Things, thank God it worked out. That was so good. And I say that reverently. But, you know, um, you know, you know guys that don't want the ball. And when Mike talks about guys that want the ball in the big moments too, not just, you know, to, to ease into and get a, a series start, but they think and believe in themselves in those huge moments they can come through like nobody else. Those guys are hard to find. No, they, they are. They are. You and know, can actually produce. Yeah, exactly. It's a fight or flight syndrome, yeah, right? Right. It, you know, uh, as the moment gets bigger, you know, the focus gets even more narrowed for some guys. And sometimes when the moment gets bigger, the world becomes huger or <laughs> larger in their in, in their scope. And being able to find and identify those guys, you, you want to have those guys in those moments. You know, when we talk about like kickers, right? Ice water veins, you know, ability to perform under pressure in those got to have it moments. And you're always looking for those type of special teams guys 
that can deliver for you, you know, like Chris Boswell. Um, so it, it, it's always unique. And, and that's what we, we have a draft every year. We go through this process of finding those guys that match those ideals and personality traits that we want on our team to be able to either replicate or be able to, to fit in with the rest of the squad. And I think that's something that takes a unique skill set to be able to assemble those human beings. But when you find those guys, you have to foster it, right? Because, you know, it could either be a hero origin story or a villain origin story. Mm. It's how is how it's nurtured is how it's fed, right? Um, determines how they're going to react. So, you know, it, it's big moments like those that you want to make sure you're feeding it with positivity. I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that you have is you have a group of guys who do lean on each other. It's not silos. It's not about personal achievement. Um, it's about the better good of the team. And that's when, that's when you know you've got a good group around you. Now, we'll see it live on Sunday to see if those things take effect. But I have to, but I like to believe, and I think I will believe, you know, that that is something that's progressing in the right direction. I have to believe so. You know, I, and I come from that medieval time. And my, my first reactions from that time period would be, yeah, guys are acting out. They should be, you know, sitting on the bench and stuff like that. But there's other ways that you can engage them and, and get them to grow in the moment because there are teachable moments all over the place. And you've got to use those, especially in this day and age. It's a different era than it was back in the day when the Orcs and Elves were battling for Middle Earth and I was playing football. <laughs> You know, there, 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 there we go. There we go. Look at you. Look I'm at evolving you your Tolkienisms. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. I'm going to take it a break because I guess it's my turn. Finally, <laughs> as I, yes. I've interrupted so many others, we're going to go to break. To and Max is coming back. Yes. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> Max comes back with the bell lap of the locker room as we prepare for the Packers coming into Acrisure. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, bell lap time here inside the locker room. Last segment of this week. Not just of the day, but of the week. And we've already got a breakdown in communication uh, inside the locker room. Apparently, chocolate is not I'm getting safe the, I'm getting the, to be shared right now. Max, I'm you know, about to stuff Wes into a shoebox. I get that. I get that look from Wolf about once a week, where you know, you just, you son of a gun, I'd like to headbutt you right now if I didn't like you so much. And I just, I just got that look because I'm stuffing my face with chocolate. Oh, that was wrong. That was really wrong. You have to, you have to let it go, Wolf. It, it's lunchtime. I just rang the lunch bell. I know, I know. After this segment, in less than 10 minutes, you will be free to forge to your heart's delight. Yeah, and I got to stay for two more hours before I can go get some lunch. Poor Wes. Stay for four hours, Wes. He's, all, he's already just skin and bones. I mean, I come know. on. Let, let the kid bulk up a little bit. You know, even, even Oakley agrees that he's streaking that 
freaking ball behind me. Yes, and I Max. can't reach it either. That's the worst part I, about it. I come, I come rolling into the, it. I come rolling into the studio with some chocolate from the kitchen. And yeah, Wolf exactly. goes, Wolf goes, ooh, I gotta go get some of that. And I go, there's 24 seconds left in the break. You can't yeah, go get any exactly. of that. Exactly. This isn't counter 24 trap, Wolf. You can't just pull around the edge and be back. You know what I'm saying? Like this. It's a good distance. You know, once you get out the closet, I have to make a left and a right and then another right. And, you, and then you have to finger through to figure out which one you want. I don't want Tootsie Rolls or Hershey Kisses. I'm looking for like 100 grand or a Snickers. You know, it's too much time, Wolf. Don't, yep. don't worry. We have time gotcha. on the back end. I we have gotcha. time on the back end. There will still be plenty out there in about four minutes when we're done. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Halloween candy stays around for at least a month, okay? So I think we'll be all I right. can smell <laughs> the chocolate coming off of Wes. Oh, gosh. That's hey, terrible. Hey, just just let, 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 let him be. Let him be. Let him get his extra 30, 40 calories per, <laughs> per morsel. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but, Wolf, I do want to bring something up to you. Okay. Um, which I thought was a, a new detail, a new wrinkle. Um, yes, we are still in the season. So let me, let me just preface that. I'm not trying to divert from the season. I'm not like, I'm not like the bears or the Cardinals or the Carolina Panthers, like thinking about the draft already, you know, and right. we're in November, but Adam Schefter did release yesterday, um, that the, uh, there's been an amendment to the changes in the all-star games, um, that happened after bowl season for college, hmm. uh, juniors are now allowed to participate in all of the All-Star games, not just the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl, which was the only one that allowed underclassmen to participate. Uh, underclassmen can now participate in all four, the others being the Hula Bowl, the Senior Bowl, most importantly. It's named Senior Bowl. I think you have to change that name. Green order of business. <laughs> Yeah, change it from the Senior Bowl to the Bowl. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but And then also the HBCU Legacy Bowl um, okay. for HBCU um, players. Um, so that's four all-star games that now juniors are now allowed to participate in. So if you're an underclassman junior declaring for the draft, you, know, you now can sit. Because last year, 69 juniors declared and none of them could participate. Mm. Now under this new rule, you'll have, a more, you'll have a more robust pool, and I think a more representative pool of some of the top drafted guys because a lot of underclassmen do leave early um, and, do, and, do, and do have an opportunity to go to the draft, but they don't have a chance to really show it unless they get picked by the Collegiate Bowl um, that's put on by the NFLPA. So now everybody has access. So I'm sure Jim Nagy is happy with that to be able to put the best talent out there. Uh, but it, it is a sad, you know, kind of, you know, because I remember when I got invited to the Senior Bowl after my senior year and how special that was to be there with other seniors. Where was it uh, at, but Max? I also, it was in, it's in Mobile, Alabama. It's okay. the University of South Alabama. See, I played in the uh, blue-gray down there. That yeah, was, see, yeah. So, that was an all-star year. Yeah. yeah, the old blue-gray. Yeah. And because of the Senior Bowl coming around, I think I want to say it's the 30th anniversary of the Senior Bowl um, coming up this year. Um you know, the blue gray was still a game, uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't as top bill. No, it was uh, not because a big, it, yeah. it used to be. It used to be the big game, and then Senior Bowl came in, and then of course, you know, the East West Shrine game was still there um, as another. All so you had three All Star games back when I played, and then of course, um, East West Shrine then becomes the Hula, and then that's the get, one I want. Yeah. I would love, huh? Who, who yeah, wouldn't love the Hula Bowl? 
Exactly, especially since the Pro Bowl doesn't go out there anymore. Yeah, yeah. send me to Hawaii to 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 show off my skill set. I can show you how to surf. I can show you how to eat uh, pork that's cooked on a beach, uh, under sand. I can do all those skills. Those are my other latent skills that people just don't know about. You get to put those on display. But uh, but yeah, no. So now you do have all these opportunities. And I think it's pretty cool to involve the juniors because we do have more declarations now. You know, guys aren't staying the whole full four or five years, however long in college. Um, they're wanting to leave a little bit earlier and get into the league. And, of course, we're beneficiaries of that and on the NFL level to get young talent in this league and really get them ready. Because some guys, you know, when you watch them on college, you're like, man, he's going to be playing on Sunday soon. So yeah. why not give them the opportunity to do that and, and play and, and, and work on these all-star games? Because a lot of them get the All-America honors. They get those top-billing honors and postseason awards and then because they're underclass and they can't participate. So no. I think I think it's a really good move. No, nor can they make any money off it. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, that, that the, you know, I mean, the, the deal is you you go to be a pro to be a pro. And so you can get paid. And, that you know, I understand that, uh, you know, the rules have changed so much from our collegiate days. Uh, you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just ginormous. But, you know, the fact of the matter is um, I, I think that's a great rule change. And I think it's going to make it you know, substantively um, good for a lot of young guys who, you know, they're going to step up and have that opportunity to showcase what they can do. And you, you can never begrudge a guy that. No, you never can. And I think that's one of the big things is make it, you know, as we talk about more equity and making it equal for guys to have an opportunity. And, you know, we are in the NIL phase uh, of uh, of the world with college football so college mm-hmm. players are making more money but the chance to get into the league earlier and actually go out and have an opportunity to support them in all-star games i think is going to make them more competitive and more fun to watch um as we go through this and also it, it puts a little more onus on the scouts scouts got to do a little bit more work <laughs> adding <laughs> yes. the junior pool into you know that one week when you go down to the senior bowl it's like, ah, i only have to worry about seniors i've scouted all these guys Oh man, okay, now we got to do the juniors now. Okay, add the junior report in there. So it puts a little bit more earnest, but still nah, not too bad at all. I thought that was a that was a cool thing to announce. I wanted to announce that before we got off the show. Okay. Well, you had thusly yeah. announced it. Therefore, we go forward. <laughs> it has been announced. All right. You well, see you see Wolf, you see yeah. Wolf rushing you there so he can get to the chocolate. You I, know, I know right, he it's been is. discussed, he man. Is. Sorry, I'm not doing so that. Exactly. To Stop talking Come about on. it so I can leave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's one last thought. So we end on topic. Um, Green Bay, Pittsburgh. Okay, I know you're going to have the beef eater report that you're going to write about. Right, right. What is one of the hidden gem matchups in this game that you're going to be looking for on Sunday? The hidden gem matchups, um, essentially, it's well, it, it what it always is, the offensive line. You know, and I just think our offensive line can get after their – if Kenny – if Kenny um, Clark is not able to play, I just think that our offensive line has an opportunity to really get after these guys. I know Rashawn Gary is very good and Preston Smith and so forth, but um, I just think that these guys, uh, our, our offensive line at the level they're playing right now, if they come off the ball and get her done the way they did last week, they're going to get it done in a fine fashion. It's the offensive line. All right, I like it. I like. It. I think mine's going to be whoever Carrington Valentine gets matched up with, whether it's Deontay, mm. whether it's George at that primo corner position. I can't wait to see that matchup because I think that's going to be an opportunity for us to also take advantage some things in the air and kind of get that passing game going come Sunday. All right, that is it. 
That is the end of the show for the week. Wolf can now go get chocolate. You all can go get lunch. And Wes can sit in, the, in, that, in that cubicle for about another two hours and do a show. So with that, he's Craig Wolfley. I'm Max Starks. Wesley Euler on the ones and twos. Of course, Junior Ninja in training somewhere in the iHeart building. And CJ, he has not left for Japan yet for that Ninja pay. Uh, we're still offering a competitive salary. And also, we're in the same time zone. Um, and then our sensei, Brian LaMartina, uh, you have been inside the locker room. We will talk to you guys Monday for the after action report, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Go make it not only a great day, but a great weekend. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.